Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the Equality One of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Jacobs. One of the things which fascinates me about doing the podcast is how our guests take the topic and interpret it in their own way. This episode is just one of those. It goes places we hadn't considered and is a great listen from a couple of guests who haven't spoken much before. This week's guests are Gwen Cowmels and Sarah Smith. Gwen is a French learning professional living in Dublin, Ireland. She has six years of experience in learning development and is passionate about learning equality and the future of work. Sarah is a woman in tech striving to make a positive impact as a client success and marketing executive at First Media. She's worked with major companies to produce diversity, equality and inclusion modules and Sarah's passionate about bridging the digital divide and ensuring equal opportunities for all. Please take your time to listen through this one. It goes places which were unexpected. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Gwen and Sarah talking about equality. Hi Sarah, how are you? Hiya Gwen, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Lovely. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Dublin in Ireland and we're actually having a gorgeous weather. <laughs> how about That's you? That's lovely. Yeah, do you know what? I also in Ireland, northern though, and we're, our weather's strangely not as bad as... Uh, standard Irish weather <laughs> right <laughs> it's normally yeah. raining in buckets like every time I'm on a team's meeting I'm like oh they're like oh what's the weather like Sarah and I'm like oh it's lashing again it's raining again you know so yeah sometimes my team members can hear the rain on the window <laughs> when, when I'm in the meeting, so. yeah I, I like had a, a meeting with like uh, uh, somebody the other day and they were calling from like sunny Mexico and it was just like I was freezing. I had a water bottle on my lap. I had a blanket, you know. <laughs> it was just like, oh, brilliant. That's it's nice how, how other people love, you know. <laughs> oh, but I, I love how prepared you were, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the blankets on your wrist. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I don't know if, if, if it's ever happened to you, but if you've ever been on a meeting uh, with somebody, just like first time meeting this person and the next thing is, like, normally it's with woman. Like, I don't want to kind of, like... <laughs> at all but it's normally woman um and we'd be talking and I, i'd like they'd be talking about the weather you know just to begin with and i i'd always say with oh, a hot water bottle and nine times out of ten <laughs> the other girls they'll lift up their water bottle and do the screen and yeah me too i have one on too so <laughs> it's funny how we all like yeah water bottle on. yeah yeah an inexpensive uh method of heat <laughs> Um, so yeah, should we jump into this? Do yeah, we want to talk let's a little go. bit? Um, maybe why did you want to do this topic of equality? So equality for me is um, it's really important. It's like a topic that everybody it's been on everybody's lips for as long as I can remember and still it's on our lips like you know and I feel like it's something that really needs to be addressed um, especially nowadays and, and real efforts kind of put towards doing something about it for everybody because it makes sense for everything to be equal for everybody, you know. Um, I don't know about you, Gwen. Why? Why? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I do think it's a very important topic, and you're right. It's been, you know, around for a while, and you would hope that after all that time talking about it, that we would just have figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> but yeah. it is. It, it it is it is big, and it's it's. It's nice still that, you know, the conversation is still going on that. And I do think that, yeah, it's very important. Um, for for me, it's about the fact that, um, you know, we're all um, human beings and we all exist and we all deserve 
to be able to exist in the way that we want and in the places that we want as well there's still uh, like it's 2023 you know the, the amount of money and, and stuff like and solutions getting pumped into things that maybe aren't as important or aren't as much of a priority but for some reason this is mm. a big priority and it keeps getting pushed um more and more so it's, it's i think it's important for us to come on and talk about um equality today but i do know like anybody that is listening there will be things that we leave out um and it's not intentional or anything like that it's just maybe we haven't got around to speaking day today but yeah but th- speaking about what you just said that you know it's 2023 and we still need to think about it you know we just have been through a wave of layoffs especially in the tech industry and it actually shows that it is making us um you know um go back like on the progress that we made around equality and diversity and inclusion because those are the areas where there's been layoffs and people that are from marginalized groups tend to be more impacted by those layoffs so it is very very topical right now <laughs> to talk about it for sure um but there's quite a night there's there's a good few movements out there and everything at the minute which is quite nice um i i, I don't i know I don't know if um, I was really moved with the situation that was happening in um, Iran and the woman over there um, and them kind of like moving towards uh, more freedom of speech and more kind of not really being treated so much as a second class citizen anymore. Um, and it's nice that the, the, the woman all over the world were on socials and TikTok and, and other like social apps were really um, almost like giving... <laughs> showing support to the, the woman over there so I, I think not to talk, bring this all about woman but I think it was nice that now that in, in the digital kind of world that we live in we are able to like find out and discover like that's happening all over the world and even support there um from our the comfort of our home home so I think that's quite good yes yes definitely yeah it's it's you know we were talking about how with the layoffs stuff I've been you know going backward but there is also the fact that we live in a digital era that allows us to make progress Mm -hmm. and to make it also global you know like Mm -hmm. the fact that in in europe we're able to know what's happening in iran and we're able to support and and see that activism um that's truly a a great opportunity yeah and just um going back on the um, on the fact that i was saying that the uh, marginalized groups were more impacted by layoffs mm-hmm. um, there are a few reasons in that I think but the one that I saw mostly was the fact that in the past few years companies have been making efforts on diversity and inclusion and in terms of their recruitment on that but then when the layoffs happened it tends to be you know the last one in the door First to one be laid off yeah. and so that that matches with the efforts that had been done mm-hmm. to include more marginalized people. So yeah, it's not necessarily like a conscious choice <laughs> to to target those people, but it is kind of like a an indirect impact on them as well. Just actually going back to that point, <clears throat> Gwen, um, I mean, it's kind of, I think one of the things, I mean, it's a real pet peeve for me um, and, and with, you know, first one and last, or, or, you know, last one and first one out, I find that it, what annoys me as well, and I feel that this is quite like, it's it's completely like unequal, is when a co- like corporations um, advertise 
jobs for people and people who are like you know interviewees who may have like the perfect qualifications for the job like all the right qualifications but because say a manager within the company um has somebody in mind who may not have those qualifications then the person that's coming in as the interviewee and making all the work and doing everything aren't getting a chance to kind of get through to that like last bit because the manager is like oh well I I know who I want for the job from another team that really bothers me significantly actually and I don't think it's fair for people you know who, who, who are applying for these jobs who they don't even have a chance um before they even apply and that's not right oh absolutely that's completely unfair because you're wasting you know their time their energy but you're also kind of like giving them a hope right people are like well i i might have this job but actually no from the beginning there was no chance from the very start yeah i understand how that can be really infuriating yeah oh my goodness like yeah it's it's just it and then you find people that like um so I'll, I'll give you i'll give you a funny example i'll give you really like this is embarrassing but i'm going to tell you anyway um i applied for this was a few years ago i applied for a job um it was like a, a manager position but through during the job interview it was kind of like new to the like the interview process or whatever um and during the interview it was there was something kind of like in the media that was quite close to my heart and I ended up I don't know how it happened but during the interview I ended up breaking down crying because this topic was so important to me right um and because of that there I obviously I didn't get the job and that's okay I, I ended up crying during the interview that's fine um but the person that did go, you know, get get the the job. I like I, I, I like I'm from a, a small town, Derry, so everybody knows each other here. Um, and I found that the person that did get the job, the management team had already decided before anybody was interviewed or, or or you know like that there. And it was okay for me because it wasn't too far for me to travel and you know whatever. But for them people that are having to travel and maybe they're having to do public transport and money's maybe not as, because they don't have a job, money's not as, um, you know, they, they don't have as much to spend. And yeah. they're traveling all these ways to take part in these interviews for nothing to come of it at the end. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I can't understand it. Like, I, I really can't. Yeah, but you're totally right on the the economic implications of actually doing, you know, you got to, yeah, like you said, like to get to the, to the interview, first of all, like whether it's public transport or your own car, there's still gas, there is still, you know, money spent to actually get there. Um, You also have to make the time, maybe you were supposed to work and, you know, you're taking your afternoon off for this. And um, yeah, and then also, there's also kind of like... um, looking the part you know for an interview you want to dress well and then some people don't necessarily have access to that there, there is a an association actually in dublin i can't remember the name but they they're a charity that uh gathers um that get donations that are kind of like work clothes for women so that they can use those clothes for their interviews you know you talked about small town in dairy and things like that um, so that kind of relates to equality of opportunity, you know, everyone yeah. having an equal chance when you're yeah. applying for jobs or, you know, everyone are having that, that level of access that also just makes me think about, um, the rise of remote work and mm-hmm. how we have more and more remote company 
and the fact that as a consequence of that, it does give more opportunity and more access to people no matter where they are in the world. So, you know, if you live in a rural area where there is not necessarily a lot of job opportunities around you, there are, you know, more and more remote companies where you can just apply to those companies, have interviews online and then work for those companies, but from the comfort of your home. So you can still, you know, still stay in your community and participate in your own community and things like that. So I'm wondering if that will be, you know, a bigger trend with remote work and really, um, and, you know, really progressing on equality of opportunity and just equality in general. Well, just actually leading on from that, Gwen, I'm just thinking, you, like, obviously the, the rise in remote work and everything um, is just, like, that's here to stay and it's only going to get more and more um, popular. But what I worry about is, you know, the digital divide between people who, don't have access online and don't have access to the you know internet so you know you have families out there that maybe like they work from home the children like maybe they're big at homeschool or say something like covid happens again where we have to you know educate the children from the homes um and then even from buying basic necessities like i don't know what you were doing over covid but i know i had to you know get food delivered to the house um and i had to do all that there by like you know by, by my mobile or by my laptop you know and there's people out there especially not just yeah. people that don't have access but you know older people so like the digital world is just constantly evolving and things like you no know, luckily enough like we were um young enough i want to say um to have grown up with a lot of that and understand how the mechanics of this like te technology how it works but like my grandparents wouldn't understand like don't understand how a lot of that stuff works see with internet banking as well um, so I think there's like such a right and ageism is like a real growing problem as well. So I'm more it, it's a worrying thing where it's great if we if you're in a country where you do have access to the internet. But just before the, this podcast, I wanted to do a bit of research and just to find out obviously what countries were most impacted by the digital divide. And I found that um, I, I was expecting, you know, that don't have like uh, such a great economic climate, obviously, but I actually found that there's over 40 million Americans that don't have access to the internet and that's America, which is, I thought was, you know, a, a, like a, a quite an evolved uh, and strong country. And obviously they are, but for 40 million plus people do not have access online, there, there's a problem there, you know, a big problem. Absolutely. That's a great, um, you know, topic and thinking around the digital divide because, you know, I see the digital word as something that, offers a lot of opportunity and can you know really um help mm -hmm. with inclusion and equality but at the same time actually there there can be still a divide like there are still uh digital divide there are still um technological barriers that can prevent that level of access so that's great you know to think of it all the way to the source i want to say and how if we really want that level of equality and stuff then we need a really great internet access for everyone and also but also kind of yeah, like a, a digital <laughs> literacy for everyone so that everyone can actually 
access it and use it and yep. get to all those opportunities. And that's, that's a big ask. <laughs> like I found, so I was like, you know, obviously that like solution wise, and I was like looking in and it's like, how, what, mm. what are the solutions to this digital vibe? Like how, how can we fix it? Like what can we do? And I actually found that there was um, an American guy in Virginia who lived in the mountains and he he lived in the uh, top of the mountain um and there was another 20 odd families at the top of the mountain living there as well and they didn't have access to the internet or anything and he was you know trying to like look at ways to get it nothing was happening and he took it actually into his own hands he actually developed um his own ip um, sorry if any tech heads <laughs> if, I, if I've said that wrong but he's, he's developed his own so basically now these 20 people at the top of this mountain are on like quite a quite a high speed broadband because this one guy decided to take it into his hands now obviously it's not like a massive solution like but it's still it's a small yeah. victory do you know what I mean for one person to actually you know because I always thought like oh we have to go through all these processes but actually you know you can do you alone can do something i'm not telling everybody to go out and you know try and fix your internet like right now and try and learn and be whatever but what i'm saying is like there is opportunity for us to if we really really well i don't want to say if we really want to because people are limited like there, there are people and it's just limited no matter what but there's there, there's solution tiny solutions yeah. that can be found you yeah know? yeah there are creative solutions out there with your like diy internet <laughs> um um but exactly that, that's exactly. great because that's like you know very um from the ground up very community focused you know you're in that mountain with 20 people and you want internet and it's not gonna happen you know from the big companies and stuff so you make it happen yourself like that's very very creative yeah. and very community focused so i love it yeah and, and uh, do you know what like i it was very um i was reading it and i was like that's that's fantastic like um when people just take just take it upon themselves to like right i'm going to do i'm going to try and do something here and if it fails it fails and you've learned from what you failed and then try again but this guy you know we did it and and he really did mm. do it you know um there was another guy that was like um like i was watching and he had his son he lived in Ohio somewhere, I think. Um, I know it's all American based, but I, I don't mean it to be. But he, um, like it was Ohio and he had like one bar of internet that he could use from his mobile. Um, but he had to, his son needed to go to school. So him, the son and the father had to drive around to like all these places to try and get a little bit of internet to, for the son to go on and oh do his God. schoolwork in America. So the child's missing out on some of his lesson, trying driving around and stuff like that. The father's missing out on some of job his job. That could have a knock-on effect. It might lead to him losing his job because he's so far behind. And then that you know, it, it's it's a scary like pit to fall into. Yeah, there there are really like ramifications behind that. Um, that that was great effort, though. I gotta admire what they did here. Yeah. Better get something nice for Father's Day. Yeah, for <laughs> you sure. You know what I mean? Some big gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that that uh, makes me wonder just about, you know, just ourselves, our own works and our own kind of like um, range of actions. <laughs> Is there, do you want to talk about just like in your work or in your life outside of work? Um if there's anything that you do that's related to equality or how you live it, um, you know, in your day to day. 
so like from school my, my, my dad always said he was like Sarah listen you don't know what anybody's going through so be the friendly voice be that kind like you know be that nice person to everyone don't just don't like hide yourself away or whatever be open to everybody and see from a young age any child like if I was in school anybody was sitting by themselves I'd be straight over to them it didn't matter what they were who they were what any nothing like that it didn't matter could have been an alien for all I cared and I would have still went over and chatted to them do you know what I mean and made them feel welcome and I think that's something I've taken all the way through life like I'd always be open because you know if you're nice to everybody it's crazy the opportunity that comes to you like just a simple conversation or a simple nice word um to somebody or even see if I'm in the street and I see somebody that looks quite somber I know maybe I shouldn't be doing this but I'll go over and just be like your makeup's beautiful today or your outfit's gorgeous and you can just see that little smile on their face do you know what I mean like maybe that's not I could do more with equality but for me it's like we're all humans here and if I think that you're not okay I'm going to help I don't care what your situation is let me help you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What about yourself, Gwen? That was a great question, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, and I do think that kindness is kind of undervalued. I think it's very important, but it's not recognized enough. So mm-hmm. I love what you just said there. So myself, um, I'm, I'd say I'm very lucky because in my, in my work, I work in a big team and we have, in the company, we have like equality groups. And in my team, we also have a team dedicated to um, accessibility to make sure that what we create is accessible because making something accessible for a certain group actually benefits a lot more people than in intended. So we kind of, you know, go with that, um, with that premise. But also I was able to um, lead an initiative that's close to my heart. It's about um, psychological safety. So basically, it's the principle of um, of having people just come as they are in their in their day to day work, in their interaction with colleagues and stuff like that. It's about coming as you are. It's about authenticity and stuff like that. So if I were to define psychological safety in a more serious manner, it's the fact of uh, speaking up without being worried of repercussion. So, you know, like you're in a meeting and you have an idea and you might not dare voice it because you're worried it's going to be ridiculed. You're going worried it's going to be shut down or things like that. So basically, it's like psychological safety is the fact that you are OK with speaking up. You don't feel like you're need to stop yourself, that whatever you're going to say is going to be welcomed. It's going to be safe for you. Um so that's something that I've I've been working on because I feel that it's important, you know, I mean, of course, recruiting and hiring mm. the people and having diverse people in your company that actually represent the people that you would see in society is really important. But then after that, after those people are hired, it's important as well, you know, to actually have them contribute fully, you know, because some people might dial it down, might worry about what people might think or how they might be perceived. And so they're not necessarily going to say everything they want to say or participate as much as they'd like to. Um, So that's what I'm doing on psychological safety. I've done, I've led a few workshops. So it's like in a team of like five to 10 people. So it's just that those team members and it's a workshop where we work together. We 
uh, tackle topics around open conversations, about taking risks and this kind of things. And with this, we just have, you know, very open conversations about what it means and how we work together and, and this kind of things. And so I do, I did that with a few teams and then, um, for our own learning experience designers, I, um, designed a, a retrospective template so that at the end of a project, people can reflect on the project, but also on how they work together in that project. Did they feel, you know, held, held down or things like that. That's the kind of lens that I'm trying to take around all this. Um, but it is, um, I honestly kind of underestimated it when I did it because now that I've led a couple workshops, every workshop I feel is just so rich. There is such a rich conversations in those teams and that has a big impact on then how they actually show up for each other in the longer term. And I, I just love that. <laughs> them conversations as well like in those groups like they'll be had you know they'll find out things that like they wouldn't have even thought of and then they could like spread that then to kind of like the wider circle and their family and friends yeah. and stuff as well so that is, that's fantastic when like absolutely fantastic um my question to you is doing all that there do you feel that like maybe woman might do you feel that maybe woman would feel psychologically safe in work or just from your your you know um what you've done and stuff and your your uh yeah that's a great question um well first of all i would wonder what the situation is you know we talk about um we talk about industries that are male dominated for example so in a in a room where there is a lot of men yes women is gonna are gonna feel you know not that psychologically safe and that's the same thing you know when you're from an underrepresented minority if you're the only person uh from that minority in the room then you're that token person and it makes it really harder to speak up because there are um prejudices then that whatever you say is representing your whole group um <laughs> so of course it is much much harder in those situations um, now, myself in my day-to-day -day work, I I am in the learning field, which is uh, uh, predominantly women-led. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's hard, it's it's easier to feel psychologically safe at work. But I would say that you know you always have though still those little things of like I don't want to sound stupid silly yeah yeah exactly. i don't want to kind of like impo imposter syndrome isn't it yeah yeah kind of like the imposter syndrome absolutely but then the question is is it coming from you personally or is it coming from your environment or is it a bit of both you know or is this a gender norm react? that's kind of built in yeah yeah, for, yeah exactly or like are people gonna if people react strongly when you say something that was a bit stupid then you're less likely to speak up in the future just like you know if you make a mistake how is it received are people you know kind of like telling you and just explain it to you or or is it like a big blame that's gonna fall on you um okay, and then that makes you scared yeah yeah, absolutely. But I would say that just in general, yes, I think it is harder for women to feel psychologically safe at work just because, well, just because we live in a, 
in a patriarchal society so of course you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just um i mean it's gonna have different levels and especially you know if we talk about intersectionality if you're a black woman that's a whole other level that you have to deal with yeah i'd say as long as we are in a patriarchal society it's gonna be harder just in general for women to feel psychologically safe at work um, but I mean, there are always things that we can do to kind of mitigate that, to make it easier, to make it a safe and inclusive work environment. For sure, we shouldn't stop there. Yeah, we're just going to ask, what about you? Is there areas of, uh, of work or things that you've noticed um, in terms of feeling psychologically safe at work? I actually, I was on a job um, a couple of years ago um, and our... The head, so you know the way you've got your CEO and then you've got the the heads of the, so like the managing director and CEO. Mm. So the CEO was a male, the the managing director, she was a female. And she almost, she would throw everybody under the bus to make herself look good for the Mm. CEO, right? So already from there, when when we start, so I had started along with another couple of girls and we had all just started. And she would say things instead of like, you know, a good man, like a good a mark of a good leader is is they're getting straight and they are working on the floor with you. They are like teaching you. They're like mentoring you so you can go on and do well in the business. She made it like she was ready to throw people under the bus to make herself look good for him which was not good for like any of the other and they, this company they couldn't retain any of the staff like at all um i was there for maybe three months and 10 staff had left and this wasn't a big company this was quite a, a small company and 10 of the staff had left oh yeah exactly and i kind of couldn't it was like how can you not see do you know what you're doing and then i actually later found out that uh, she was on the board of this um uh, you know like mental health thing and it was like but how can you say that but your actions are completely different to your your own staff you know what I mean so yeah it's um that made me feel uh like I didn't feel like psychologically safe in work I didn't feel like I wanted to speak up or say anything at all whenever we were in the meetings and, and the, the other girls like felt the same um so that was a strange which it wasn't nice it was horrible like and I feel for anybody that's going through it where their managers are almost bullying them to just get ahead that's not right and that's unfair especially for kind of like people that's just starting in the industry like whatever industry it is you know yeah no absolutely and that's that's usually I'd say the most important factor in your in your work life it's your manager that's the person who's going to make or break you. <laughs> um, that's the that's yes. the reason people leave a company. It's because of their manager and things like that. So that's why I left. Like I, I had to leave. It was too much. It was too much. Like I had never had a migraine in my life. And I had worked there for eight months. And I think I had like 10 migraines in my time there. Um, It was just insane. Like, so I think like, I feel like a lot of companies don't remember, like, it's the staff that count. It's the staff. You need to look after your staff and then your company will go far. If you're not looking after your staff, well, why would they want to look after you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I know this is like veering off the subject a wee bit, but it's no, just, yeah, make it equal for everybody. <laughs> I think it's important because, you know, like you said, you want, it's important for companies to take care of their staff so that their staff takes care of the company. 
And then there's the whole part on um, discretionary effort. That's when an employee is going to go above and beyond than their job. And they're only going to do that if they're treated well. Why would they put in discretionary effort if they have a toxic manager and a toxic work environment? Yeah. Why would they cause themselves more stress in life? Like that's a physical impact that's going to happen to mental, sorry, mental, mental and physical impact that that staff member is going to have. Why would they put themselves through that for somebody that's not appreciative? Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's also a thing in my uh, psychological safety workshops. I usually include the manager and I will brief the manager beforehand because I need them to be a normal participant in the workshop and not take too much space and all of that, you know? So it's like, there's also this, the manager piece that needs to be really really thought out and and really taken care of so that the whole workshop leave the ego can... at the door exactly <laughs> you because, know yeah, yeah because actually like their uh, reaction their behavior is gonna is gonna be super important to the success of the workshop and and then to the team environment like after the workshop you know yeah because yeah. uh yeah there are there are a super important a key part of of the team and of the environment and of the of people's well-being as well so they need to be on board yeah. and they need to understand their role and the power that they have as well motivation even that mm. they have like they could be like a role model or, or, or something do you know what i mean like it gives something the staff to look up to you know and achieve for it aim for um which everybody wins like everybody wins in that scenario you know what are you seeing? So like going back to equality, but kind of like tying this into it as well. Like, do you see or what are your kind of like hopes um, for equality in the future, Gwen? So I'm going to say, I'm going to say my hopes because, uh, I mean, I guess my advice would be uh, hire diverse people that really represent our society and then work on the psychological safety of your teams to make sure that once those people are hired, they can contribute a hundred percent of their talent. Um, I'd say those, those are my two advice slash hope <laughs> for equality. I love them. I love them. Ditto. <laughs> I'm joking, but yeah, like a hundred percent. Um, I couldn't agree more with you there, like to hire um, diverse people, but also hire people that are right for the job in that, in that diverse and not kind of have somebody already pre-picked out, um, like give everybody a chance um, in the yeah, workspace, that's, I think that's is important. That's going to reflect uh, as well, you know, on the quality of the work. We know we have research that proves that diverse teams are more performing. So just don't always hire like the same people from the same school, you know, um, actually broaden your horizon and you will have uh, great hires, um, great talent. Like the horizon couldn't be more broader at the minute. You could pick somebody from anywhere in the world thanks to, you know, working from home. So absolutely, companies can have literally the best team, like almost like, you know, a football, what do you call it? You know, them football fantasy teams Like you could literally have a fantasy team from all over <laughs> the world, like at your fingertips nowadays, you know? I love um, that metaphor. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> I don't watch no, football me neither, so I just think we, we no, understand that one pretty well but yeah sure go make your fantasy team yeah what's that term <laughs> yeah fantasy yeah football. right or like yeah <laughs> yeah but you can like this is the thing it's just like 
uh, making sure that um, just everybody has a chance, like everyone has a chance and something really needs to be done with the digital divide. I don't even know how um, or, or what the solution really would be there. But it, I mean, I do know that there's talks actually, I think they're thinking of an internet that like it's, it's free to everybody and stuff like this here. But then at the same time, that kind of goes into fear um you know um just yes. from movies <laughs> but sure we'll not go into that. no but for, for sure i would say you know one of the hopes that you can put out there is uh internet as a basic right for everyone uh, and digital literacy so that they are empowered to use it properly well thank you so much glenn i had a great time actually i was nervous at the start and i completely enjoyed it today and sorry if- yeah it was a pleasure too love talking with you learned a lot as well so thank you so much for taking the time to chat mm-hmm. and uh yeah see you around thank you i'd love to know what you thought when you saw the title of this episode Sarah's attitude and Gwen's approach was so refreshing and enthusiastic. I'm sure the learning industry is moving in the right way if we're going to have future leaders like this. You can find Gwen and Sarah's details in the show notes along with links to some of the topics they covered. We want to showcase new and diverse voices talking about the things that matter in learning and we're especially looking for new voices and people who haven't done anything like this before. We do have some guests scheduled but we found the more the merrier and sessions with more than two guests can be really good fun. We're recording from June onwards and have a range of topics that we want to fill. These include subjects like jealousy, ethics, improv in training, approaching retirement and women's identity. If you're interested, please do get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. We're back with a special episode next week, just in time for the Learning Technologies Exhibition and Conference. I won't say who the guests are, but it's an insightful episode with two masters of the field of learning. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.